I've been so lucky uh, in everything I've done, you know, probably going back to birth um, and, and having the parents I had, you know, but I've, I've been profoundly lucky at every step of this to, uh, to just have people come out of the woodwork who, who are motivated by something other than certainly by something other than getting rich. Cause we haven't been doing that, but, uh, but to, to have a lot of collaborators, um, who bring a beautiful spirit to this thing and certainly have propped me up for a long time. And, uh, yeah, Houston is, Houston is at the top of that list. and you're listening to Film Wax Radio. Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Adam Shartoff, your host of Film Wax Radio, and you're, you're listening to episode number 505 of the podcast. This is a great episode. I don't know if you're aware. Uh, if you, of course, listen to the show, you probably are a big fan of the independent film, is my guess. Either that or you just love to go to sleep to my voice, one or the other. Anyway, I want to say hello to you. And I want to tell you about this film, Support the Girls. I saw it at South by Southwest. It's directed by longtime Film Wax radio friend, Andrew Bajalski. It's currently in theaters. In fact, it's now uh, continuing to open wide around the country, but it's also going into its second week in many theaters around New York and L.A. In New York, I know it's at the Alamo Drafthouse in Brooklyn and at the IFC Center down in Manhattan. And it's also, uh, it's, it looks like it's at the Arclight Hollywood uh, in the uh, titular town of Hollywood, California. It's in the Lemley Playhouse 7 in Pasadena. It's uh, at the landmark New Art Theater in, in L.A. and in the Lemley Monica Film Center in Santa Monica. And in many other theaters around the country right now. It's called Support the Girls. It stars Regina Hall and a number of uh, new faces. Um, well, you see a lot more of the faces. It's a, it's a drama comedy about uh, a uh, Hooters-type establishment outside of a Texas city like Houston. Uh, Regina Hall plays the manager of the establishment. And it's a terrific film. I saw it at South by Southwest uh, back in, was it the end of February, early March? And uh, I was at the, that was the world premiere I was sitting at. Little did I know months later uh, that I would be actually doing a Q&A with Andrew, Jalski, the director, at his opening night, which was a thrill. I did that last Friday, and uh, we had a we had a nice time taking questions from the audience who really dug it and stuck around for the Q and A. In this episode right now, we have two guests from behind the scenes at Support the Girls. The director Andrew Bajalski, who is back for his third appearance on Film Wax Radio, and producer Houston King. And this is. Andrew's third time on the podcast, and it's Houston's first time. Andrew has become a, something of a friend because of our meetings for the podcast, but Houston I've known now for a number of years through the industry, and I was finally really thrilled to have him on the show. So we'll start with Houston, and then we will go into my conversation with Andrew. 
with Houston, we're discussing support the girls and, and the career of Andrew Pajalski, but we're also discussing a lot more. He really gets into the weeds about producing, and it's fun. It's interesting. I love having people on like Houston who is, is transparent for the most part and who talks about producing and his philosophy of how he approaches his job. And he, he was great. So I hope you listen to that. And then Andrew is just what a great filmmaker who keeps growing with every new film project. Uh, what about Andrew Bajowski? Let's see. You know, for those who listen to this podcast frequently or over the years, you know that uh, before film was my thing here, I was actually in the music industry. I wasn't like a and r guy for a label, that kind of thing uh, that you may see more frequently. I was just a cog <laughs> in the wheel of this corporate cartel known as Sony Music. And I had a mid-manager level kind of job. and uh, But I was in it for about 10 years and enjoyed it. When I came out of the music industry, it was on a downward trajectory. You know, the major distribution companies were all reducing their staffs uh, in, their, uh, in a tremendous way. And it didn't seem like necessarily moving on to another music company was the right decision. I didn't know what the right decision was or the right path to take was at the time. But one of the things I knew I enjoyed was film all my life. I had a great passion for it. And so I started to write reviews for a friend's blog. And, um, and this friend was in the sort of center of the independent film media world. So it wasn't like just an arbitrary blog. It was somebody who actually everybody knew. And so it seemed like a good place to start. He was able to kind of early on get me credentials and stuff like that. It was around this time, I would say in the mid-aughts, that Mumblecore became a thing. There was a, a part of the description or the way people talked about Mumblecore, which, which was, to my ear, a bit dismissive. And like, you know, slice of life, stories really weren't about anything, a little bit indulgent filmmaking. I don't know. I responded to it. There were a handful of filmmakers who converged at this time who made these films that were subsequently categorized as mumblecore. For those who don't know, I mean, most of you may know, Andrew Bajowski was right there uh, in, the, uh, in that group. In 2002, a few years actually before any of these other filmmakers I'm, I'm talking about even released anything, Andrew released his first feature film, Funny Ha Ha. And it was in 2005 where he made Mutual Appreciation, which ended up getting a theatrical. I don't know that Funny Ha Ha ever got a theatrical. Uh, but Mutual Appreciation got, uh, and that's probably the way, in great part due to the work of Houston King. It was during the Mutual Appreciation, um, let's say, post-production uh, when Andrew was trying to get his film, Mutual Appreciation, in front of audiences in any way possible that he met uh, finance guy Houston King, then finance guy. So it was mutual appreciation which kind of got things geared up. But it was those two films in that period of time, 2002 to 2005, that uh, Andrew became one of the first voices, if not the first, making this uh, 
category of films called Mumblecore. What Mumblecore is, go look it up. It's just sort of inexpensive production value because they all sound great and look great. I mean, these are, are fun films to watch. There's no no one, by the way, back then, none of these people were known uh, at all. None of them were uh, professionals. Very few of them, if any, I should say. I don't know that none of them were. A couple of the other filmmakers from that time who have emerged, by the way, into being, I consider now, significant filmmakers. Mark Duplass, of course, and Jay Duplass, the Duplass brothers. Right around this time, they came out with The Puffy Chair, uh, which is definitely an early mumblecore film. And um, Aaron Katz came out with a film called Dance Party USA. And then possibly also the most known, Joe Swanberg from Chicago, came out with uh, Kissing on the Mouth in 2005 and then quickly followed that up with LOL in 2006 and then connected with audiences, I'd say, greatly with his third feature, Hannah Takes the Stairs, uh, which starred a then entirely unknown actor by the name of Greta Gerwig and co-starred Kent Osborne, Andrew Brzezowski, and no surprise, Mark Duplass, as well as Rai Russo-Young. And by the way, all those folks, former Filmwax Radio guests. So there you have it, uh, sort of the, the original Gen 1 of, of Mumblecore. Many years later now, we are now talking about, what, 13 years later? We are here with Andrew Bajalski and his sixth feature film. Andrew's not the most prolific filmmaker, but each film as it comes out is a utterly watchable, utterly enjoyable. His third feature film after Funny Ha Ha and Mutual Appreciation was a movie called Beeswax. It, I really love this movie. Uh, it stars these two sisters who play sisters, Tilly and Maggie Hatcher, and a then unknown actor named Alex Karpovsky, who by 2009 was now like the king of the mumblecore, as far as acting goes. He was in a and 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 low budge film, I should say. Maybe by 2009, mumblecore was already kind of passe. But Beeswax was a beautiful is a beautiful film, and it's one that Houston King produced uh, from its inception to its release. Uh, so he was uh, had his hands all over that film. It's a great movie. Uh, get a copy and watch Beeswax. Also, in small roles in that film, Nathan and David Zellner, the Zellner brothers, both of whom have been on the show before, as well as. Uh, Brian Poyser. These are like film friends, uh, and so that's how he casts his movies. Doesn't do that anymore. You know, Andrew works with almost entirely with professional actors, but as you'll hear, almost entirely. Uh, Andrew, I think, um, really grew with his next film, Computer Chess. That is also another easy-to-find. I urge you to see Computer Chess as soon as you can. I would actually urge you to just go back and find all all of these features and watch them all in leading up to support the girls. 
The only other film that he made between Computer Chess and Support the Girls was Results, which came out in uh, 2015 and starred Guy Pearce, Kobe Smulders, and Kevin Corrigan. It's a comedy, uh, but very offbeat. Uh, Bajowski is now back with Support the Girls. Again, easy to find now. It's not only in those theaters in those two cities I mentioned right now, but it's also uh, available on demand. Uh, As of this week, it is uh, on iTunes, and it is also on uh, your cable on-demand channel. Support the Girls, directed by Andrew Bajowski. Uh, But first up here on episode 505 is the producer Houston King, who has, in addition to Support the Girls and uh, all the Andrew Bajowski films since Mutual Appreciation, uh, Houston has also had his hands on a film producing-wise, in some manner or other, with The Hero, Lemon, The Reagan Show, and Hearts Beat Loud, some of which I've, I've, I've focused on on this podcast, some of those films. Houston is very proud of Support the Girls, and he discusses that right now in this first segment of FilmWax Radio. My name is Lisa. I'm the general manager, and my girl just said you got a little disrespectful with her. A what? Well, you might have thought you were just having a little fun, but I have a zero-tolerance policy on disrespect, so uh, you're going to have to go. Blow me. This is a mainstream place. Tubes, brews, and big screens. Yeah. Although I will say our strategy is moving, you know, sort of away from boobs and into butts. You're not wearing a whole lot of clothes, but it's a family place. Like working at, at Chili's or Applebee's, except the tips are way better. If you know how to work it. But notice how I open my mouth real wide when I laugh, like, <laughs> hey, hey, get off the car. What's your mainstream bar and grill? Please come here, please come here. She's making sick money though. <laughs> I just need you to do your job. But there's a guy throwing up in there. Did they just knock out my cable? Hey! Hello? I'm in the vent. What are you doing in the vent? You losing your mind? <laughs> how, how did the weekend go with Support the Girls since we're, we're already starting? The reviews were great. Yes, I noticed. We're very happy about the reviews and feel like... Especially, it was gratifying to see all the accolades for Regina's performance in particular. Why? I mean, obviously, there's reasons why I can guess, but... It's just always very gratifying to be able to make a film that brings a whole new perspective to a great actor Mm -hmm. that people haven't seen before. Mm -hmm. And having just done it with Regina... Having done it with Brett Haley on Hearts Beat Loud with Nick Offerman and Brett again with like Sam Elliott in The Hero, to have just a small role in such great actors' careers and showing a new perspective and having a new set of accolades go their way and mm-hmm. being a part of that is, mm-hmm. feels great. Yeah. What, what about, I'm sure you've had conversations with Regina. What are those like in terms of the what you're describing? Because I, I said this, I think, to Andrew the other day that may, one, he said she's out there really supporting the film very actively. And he was very gratified Indeed. by that. And, and, you know, so she's obviously proud of it, and is my assumption, and that she's 
believes in it. And so I just thought, well, is this also a different kind of role for her? I didn't know. Uh, you know, I've seen a number of her films. I haven't seen everything. So I, I don't know if she gets common, uh, dramatic things like this along these lines. Not a, not anything along these lines, I think. Like, a, you know, uh-huh. the closest thing that, you know, to working with someone like Andrew would have been like Jim Strauss. And I think it was a much smaller role in his film that went to Sundance. Oh, I don't remember. I call People, yeah. Places, Things, okay. but that may mm-hmm. or may not be correct. Mm-hmm. But she's just so modest and a worker. She mm-hmm. she doesn't even talk about it. She's just out there plugging the film and got a smile on her face and proud to have made it and proud of all the other girls in it. She's just a dream to work with, and just none of it goes to her head. Mm-hmm. And, and she's um, just been really happy to be a, a bigger part of the picture, I think, and yeah. that's how she sees it. Right. It's a role that, that, that there's comedy in it. There's I mean, it's not like slapstick but she has comedy in it she has uh drama i mean she's like the she clearly the ca- the character that's the driving f- leading the film the driving force of the film so it's, it's i could see that it it's a, must have been a pleasing experience a pleasurable experience and yeah. furthermore i think her performance is nuanced right. as yeah. andrew's writing and i think that's been so exciting to see people recognize her performance within Andrew's voice and how seamlessly they combine together. Yeah. Uh, and almost in a way, I'm glad that, that we're, I, well, I'm, of course, I'm thrilled that we're sitting together because, you know, I wanted to talk to you about uh, your work for a while, but I'm, wait, I'm glad that I'm putting this conversation up later this week because as we're sitting here now, the movie's also available uh, on demand. That's right. Which, which, this past Friday when I saw Andrew, it was not. It was. It's. It's. But it's. It's. It's because of good reviews and word of mouth. It's going wider. The film, so it's also very available theatrically, and it is a movie as we saw in the QA where people really have a very a different uh, feelings and thoughts about the film. A great conversation after the films at the Q and A this past weekend, anyway. But as it goes a little wider, or, I don't know if Andrew's going to be uh, making more appearances. Well, it's going to get smaller towns and cities. It might yeah, be I mean, I think our theatrical, we're going to be from 32 screens on to somewhere like 22 screens. But today, yeah. we're day and day. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on your pay-per-view, on cable, and, you know, everywhere that sells fine, fine films via digital <laughs> outlets. And uh, it's for rental now. It'll come, you know, up for sale a little bit later. Yeah. And, and if you ask nicely, I'm sure Andrew will come to your home and do a Q&A with you. <laughs> well, you know, you talk about sort of the conversation piece. One time, Andrew, I think we were showing mutual appreciation and it was a Q&A and he said something that really stuck with me that he always likes the real story of the film to be somewhere between the screen and the audience members and that how they interpret it is somewhere in the middle and it can be different. And I think he really relishes in that conversation aspects of it and not giving people clear signals on what this means or where you're exactly supposed to be happy or where you're exactly supposed to be sad. Yes. Yeah. He does talk about that and, and he, he's very, obviously it's a, it really matters to him telling you, that and ind- indicating, but the, let them arrive. Let the audience arrive. That's right. Wherever they arrive, they're not all going to arrive at the same place. And when 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 the filmmaker actively decides to step out of directing, being a, being a, a traffic, an emotional traffic cop, right, 
and including all those things that a lot of filmmakers do, especially in the bigger budget. I see it certainly regularly. In the big, you know, you're going to have a very nice array of opinions, which is refreshing, you know. Well, I think one of the telltale signs of Andrew's technique on getting there, besides his great writing, is his lack of score. And I think mm-hmm. we've only put score in one film. And to me, score is always one of those techniques that you can put in a film that you can really guide the emotions of the audience yeah. there. And so intentionally, we've very rarely only done it in results. And I think that's the tale that he's really for, like, in support of the girls. I mean, we licensed, we went out to look for bro country music. Uh-huh. And music they would play in uh, our restaurant in a suburb outside of Houston, for example. Right. And, you know, that's just to make sure that people feel they were in that world, but mm-hmm. not to tell them how to feel in that world. Sure, sure. And it's it's incidental. What did they call it? Di- di- diegetic. Di- diegetic music? Is that what it's called? Well, where it, it, the music is uh, would be playing and everybody in the the characters hear it. Because it's actually playing on their stereo. That's right. Or it's a live band or that kind of thing. You brought up a mutual uh, appreciation, right? Which is, was that his second feature? That was his second feature. After Funny Haha? That's right. Yeah. So that you met him after Funny How did you guys meet? That's a faster question. 15 years ago, there were producers' reps rather than sales agents from CAA and William Morrison, et cetera. It was like John Sloss and Jonathan Mm -hmm. Dana and Josh Braun and even Jeff Dowd. And I used to be an M&A and I used to sell companies. And so when I first got into the business, I thought, well, into the film business, well, maybe I can leverage a little bit of this asset sales, asset sale and negotiation that I learned in finance to films. And I would comb variety for reviews of films that sounded good and then contact the filmmakers and ask them if I could see a copy of it. And Andrew sent me a copy of his film, Funny Ha Ha. This was maybe after playing three or four festivals um, and watched it. And I didn't know exactly why it was so special, but I felt it and got in touch with Andrew again and say look i'd love to help you with this and i think he was pretty skeptical because he'd probably gotten about 30 40 inquiries after that great variety review had come out and then he had to pack all these vhs tapes and oh, yeah, mail them out <laughs> one and by one assuming a, nobody would watch it and that's exactly right and i was the only person who called him back and i think he thought well this guy's got a southern accent. Maybe he's not your typical L.A. person who is uh, not really going to have faith in the kind of films that he'd made and was going to make, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, he brought me on, and so I came on as his rep, and it seemed for the film, and it wasn't but like three or four weeks later that he won the Someone to Watch Award uh, over at the Spirit Awards. That, that was a, okay. Uh, I don't know if they still do that particular one, but... I think they do. Someone to watch? Okay. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. it's sort of the up-and-comer. The funny yeah, the thing emerging, about the emerging said, name, right? The the one face to watch. <laughs> what Andrew always said, he's yeah. like, the someone to watch award, he feels like, you know, he went into a store, and he, that's like telling the security guards to keep an eye on him and make sure he doesn't shoplift anything. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. Uh-oh. Right, if there's going to be a, like an ex-con in one aisle and an independent filmmaker in the other, put your security guy on the on the ladder. That's right. Yeah. Uh and 
from that point, a Sundance channel offer for the TV rights uh, for the film came about pretty quickly. And where was this in the timeline now? This was you had already gotten back to him. I'd gotten back to him. I had officially come on. He'd okay. won the Spirit Award for okay. someone to watch. And then oh, that, the Sundance that Channel. precipitated with, probably that award. That's right. And the healthy reviews was enough to kind of get him uh, uh, onto Sundance. That's right. And TV. This, back then, the Sundance Channel was really playing you like Sundance-y kind of films. And like really yeah, independent kind of films. Right, yeah. And so we had this deal on TV. And it was a little bit of money. And we had almost like a benefactor to this day he's just been one of the main reasons andrew's had the career that he has a guy called gary stewart in la who said look i want to give you a little extra money let's put this in theaters and with that uh decided well let's let's figure this out let's put this in theaters and we booked about five or six cities and Andrew was also just selling the film via his website, and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you could order one, and he'd get a VHS and put a little post-it on it saying thank you and mail it to you. And we were on TV at the same time, and so when we were playing the Cinema Village, you could also go online, order a VHS tape of the film, and we were on Sundance Channel, and so I'd, I'd like to joke that we were the first day and date film of all time. <laughs> <laughs> right, absolutely. Uh, well, did you understand or have an clarity over this amalgam of roles that you were, you were, which, which I, I don't know at the time if there was anybody else approaching it that way. It doesn't sound like you had some big strategy. It kind of came together through a series of events that all of a sudden you were a, a kind of a producer, a sales agent, a distribu- a distributor, all in one in a way. And do, were you aware that, that that was going on and that, or was this just, you were just doing what was necessary? I, you know, I think any, the kind of producer that I like to consider myself is do whatever is necessary and figure yeah. it out no matter what it is because no one's ever made the film that you're about to make so you just have to be figuring stuff out I think I had a little bit of experience with this film I had produced that had gone in theaters right before that this um, gay romantic comedy called The Trip and that was with a company called TLA Releasing if you remember them and they were brand new they were in Philadelphia and when they put the film in theaters they really let me be involved with everything and really got to know the booker they were using and then got to know the publicist they were using and really got to see how the whole mechanics of it worked. Yeah, and great. so I essentially just took that knowledge and hired that same booker and, and, and just made up a distribution plan. And from that point on, and, you know, ironically enough, <laughs> We've almost grossed about as much with that film theatrically as we have with all of Andrew's films subsequently, which is you know sort of sad to say, but That's at the, the same time, the industry. it's a little the, bit of the industry. Right, and, the, and you know, I think back then there was just less independent films in the marketplace. Yeah, right, right. So there was obviously more opportunity, more rooms, more space, more, I don't know. When they let it breathe a little bit, they let it stay. I think both, and then we did the same thing with mutual appreciation. We did the, we put it in theaters ourselves as well, um, and they had and, and and you know back then I think the Cinema Village we had a good like four or six week run alone. It's very rare to have that now, right? You have to be hit the ground running if you're going to have more than a week 
you know, there's got to be a big turnout, a lot of ticket sales that first weekend. I'm guessing. You can yeah, correct no, me. You're right. You're if right. you're going to get into like an independent theater like Cinema Village, which is here in New York City for those listening, and then if you do well, you know, and I guess make whatever mark, you'll they'll give you a second week and uh, you hope That's for the right. best. And then, uh, whereas then maybe it sounds like uh, they they would give it a little while longer just to build up the word of mouth and to wait for the. I mean, there definitely weekly. weren't seventeen films opening up every sing- every weekend yeah. back then. Yeah, yeah. And so, and then he did uh, after mutual uh, appreciation was beeswax. Beeswax, of course. Uh-huh. I like that film a lot. Did you work on that one too? I did. I segued at that point into an executive producer position okay. and worked with the producers Dia Sokol and Ethan Vote of. Funny haha ha, and mutual appreciation to raise the money and so you were. So I'm sorry to interrupt you. Was this the first time you were really working now from the beginning pre-production with Andrew? Yes. Okay. Uh huh. You had done so on that first. I think I produced a trip. Maybe. Okay. Maybe something else or not. I don't quite remember. But that was the first time that it sort of segued from a sales position into a producer role, in this case, executive producer role with Beeswax. And we ultimately Mm -hmm. sold that film to the Cinema Guild, which did a great job putting it out. Mm -hmm. uh, It's been a great company to work with. They still send checks, which is (laughs) uncommon in uh, the distribution business to us. (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, No, I like Cinema Guild a great deal. Uh, a lot of great films over the years, including Beeswax, and that's great. So, did, was that experience? Was that experience? Um, did did it fit like a glove for you? Because you just seem so comfortable in 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 this role. In well, role in, of in, producing, in, in pro- yeah, sort of. Yeah, I love it. You know, I yeah. like to be the first man on and mm-hmm. the last man off, and everything. From developing to financing to production to post-production to getting it out into the world to reading accounting statements for three, four years after the films come out, uh, I take just sort of, you know, pride in it and love really knowing that there's nothing that's happening in a film that my that I haven't touched somewhere mm-hmm. and you really get to use the left side of your brain and the right side of your brain. And you really get to know so many people and, and, and operate with the actors to the grips. And to me, that's immensely satisfying. And, and you know, that's why I love mm. producing. Mm. Do you, is it a, I guess I'm sure there's some exceptions, but is it basically your requirement that that's the role you want on a film? Cause no, I, not necessarily, <laughs> you know, there was, the Reagan Show, which I also executive produced, documentary, which was a documentary, Sierra, Sierra rather, with Sierra Pettengill and Pacho Velez, both directed that film, and I really had more of a financing, marketing, legal structure role than the creative editing role in that per se, and that's fine. I enjoy that part as well, but ultimately, I'm, I really like to be in the nuts and bolts of making these films and getting them out in the world. But I think even the way that I produce, whether it's Brett Haley or Andrew Bajowski, that I also I adopt my role to what I think the directors need from me the most. And so in the case of the Reagan show, they were very capable directors and capable producers and, and, and really 
relegated myself to where I thought they needed the most help, which is really on the more of the financing than the tax side. Yeah, right. I see. And the sales side. Yeah. When you get an opportunity like you mentioned uh, with with Brett Haley's film, uh, we made Heart Speed Loud Heart's and Beat the Loud Hero together with Nick Hofferman. Uh-huh. Oh, and you. Oh, he did. Heart, that's right. He did uh, the Hero. Yeah, that's right. With Sam, uh, Elliott. With Sam Elliott. I remember. <laughs> Those were two opportunities, for instance, which you were on board the entire spectrum, right? That's right. That's from beginning, That's from right. soup to nuts, as you. That's right. So you, uh, those that that had to be very gratifying, um, and seeing it through to its, you know, success, mm-hmm. right? Um, or is there as much in those cases uh, an emphasis on uh, finance? Um. I mean, it's always the emphasis on finance to begin with, because yeah. if okay. you don't have that, you got nothing else to worry about. But you're about. doing it? You're working out those details? Yeah. And yeah. Okay. Definitely work with Brett and Andrew to make sure that we're assembling a package that we can take to financers. And normally what I've been doing is, you know, we'll package these films with actors ourselves before we really even start talking is that to right? financers and just either Andrew and myself or Brett and myself will really just go straight to the agents and get a core principal cast together or part of the principal cast together. And then you take it to financers. The agents don't have a problem with that approach. I think they have enough faith in us that we'll get these films financed and they will attach their actors to the film with the hope that we're going to raise the money for it and feel, and it's, you know, that's always the toughest part about putting together a film is like the actors and the agents, they want to see the money and the money wants to see the actors. And so you simultaneously have to bring these two aspects together until they meet and everything falls together. Clicks together. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It's a, I, I see this as a kind of a, the, the, the very um, crucial, there's a couple of crucial, a number I'm sure of crucial moments in the in the entire process this being probably the I mean, big, a big and, and important early one i mean the the most crucial decision is that process is who's writing and directing it mm-hmm. and you know with somebody like brett and somebody like andrew that have had success in, in both a commercial and a, in a critical realm that's your key and then obviously they will write good scripts and, and the material will bring the actors and the, the filmmakers bring the actors and that's that's really the most crucial aspect is that first decision is like who's your writer director you're working with and if they've had a little bit of success behind them it's much easier to get people's attention the question that a lot i think young filmmakers uh, would would listening to some a conversation like we're having i imagine would be well how does houston king choose his projects well of course you have relationships we can see that because you've worked multiple times with a number of filmmakers but also you just have to look at the films, uh, uh, and you know it makes a lot of sense. You're taking films with with real characters and and narratives about relationships, about connecting with other human beings in a more authentic way. I mean, that's what these stories are talking about. I you know imagine when you pro- when you go to an agent li- that represents uh, Sam Elliott or Nick Offerman or, or Regina Hall that they're well, it must be this is what they're looking for these types of projects right they're, most most actors are looking for those types of films right they're not all looking for just payday paydays I mean I'm, I don't know absolutely um, 
was a long-winded way of getting it. You know, a lot of these actors have had a lot of great success financially and want to do something different with their careers. And I think back to what I was saying is like, I feel like we've given Nick Offerman, we've given Sam Elliott and we've given Regina Hall a new, completely different way to shine. And that really expands, I think the market's interpretation of how good of an actor they are and what they can do. And that's very valuable to them. Yeah. Well, let's let's say uh, so. So what the last? Those are the last couple of films, right? You had Hearts Beat Loud. Right? What was before that? There was before Hearts Beat Loud. I think the last Reagan. film I produced that came out was Lemon, which Nick Sobrato. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Of course, they and, did the show. Oh yeah, they're. I mean, all these films, right? except for unfortunately, I'm sorry, Brett Haley. We'll get him next time. I promise. Uh well, I appreciate all the support on all of them. Uh, it's it's. It's not intentional. I, I just, I'll just let you know. I mean, now, I mean, I obviously like pleasing you, and uh, but uh, it's just because I'm looking for projects that are interesting and fun and uh, gratifying to watch, and that I like after I see them. Right. You know, and I respond to. Well, thank you. Yeah, you know, in one form or another. In the case of Lemon, I laughed a lot. Yeah. You know? <laughs> just, just laughed a lot. You know. It's out there, and just you really yeah. got a very particular. Uh, perspective and sense of humor and incredibly stylish and yeah. that's uh, a tremendously unique film and, and I'm glad that people have really responded to it. I think the most frustrating thing for me is knowing that, you know, I've talked to, about these films with people, the filmmakers like yourself and I, you mentioned the seven, the you know 15 to 20 films that are coming out a week practically and that so many great films don't get the attention over the long time, over the you know the long term that that they desire. I mean, deserve. Excuse me. Decades later, we still talk about Chinatown. Right. It's of course a brilliant film, you know, on a lot of levels. But it also just was out for so long. It just right. had the opportunity to, to really sink into the zeitgeist, you know, and to, and, and really, uh, which films now barely get the opportunity to do. Well, I think relatively a, short trajectory. I think a lot of that just has to do is it's much easier to make a film digitally than it necessarily was with film. Purchase a thirty-five millimeter that is, and you've seen such a dramatic increase in the number of films being made. Hence, more filmmakers. That's right, and too, more filmmakers. They yeah, um, they didn't have like hundreds of film schools back in the sixties and seventies. And, you know, in addition to that, you have such a, you know, great TV renaissance and such great TV shows out there. And we have an overabundance of content. But, you know, people have been complaining about the film business for, you know, 100 years and, you yeah. know, that something was always going to change it dramatically. Maybe TV or, you know, the, you know, adding sound to them. This is where VHS was going to undercut it and and i think you just got to roll with the punches of the the landscape yeah. and and there's always going to be pros and cons out there but you know from the pros side is i feel like there is a decent amount of appetite from a financer's perspective whether it's private equity or production companies or distributors or streaming services that are looking to make content still so what's coming up for you? Are you already on to the next thing, or are you on the, the, the beginning? Well, what I also do is I'm, I'm 
I run a small super PAC, believe it or not. It's called Local Voices. I run it with Lee Hirsch, who directed uh, that Bully. documentary, Bully. Sure. And Amandla. And he and I are also very close and work together. And what we do in the general elections is we've gone into battleground counties and battleground states and essentially, in their own words, with some of the best documentary directors, filmed white working class folks or folks that are in rural counties and talking about why they were going to vote for Obama or why they were going to vote for Hillary Clinton or why they weren't going to vote for Donald Trump in their own words and make cinematic political ads. And then we air them only in those areas or put them on social media only in those areas so people can see their friends and neighbors and associates talking about why they were voting Democratic and I think helps relieve a little bit of the stigma in those places of being Democratic. So with Donald Trump, we felt compelled that we need to get involved in the midterms. And so we're getting behind various congressional House races in Michigan because we feel like that's a area that has a number of competitive congressional house races that are in rural areas that suit our model well it still seems like it's not so high on the profile of the other super PACs that are out there and that's what we're doing right now and so we'll be running through that through like mid yeah, got another 10 weeks of the until the election that's right See, that's your priority describe what a super PAC is well a super PAC is essentially an independent expenditure group that can support candidates as long as they don't coordinate with the candidates. And they have sort of a um, a bad reputation so, because people feel like that kind of money then unduly um, influences. influences elections and maybe has undue influence on the candidates themselves. I'd like to consider ourselves that we're you know, a, a super PAC for good because we never you know get in touch with the candidates and we don't ask for any uh special favors for our donors and uh and really just do it out of the you know out of the goodness of our heart and for patriotism and you know what we think is good for this country and our ads are 85 percent for the most part positive and we'd like to consider them uplifting and they're not negative ads and well yeah it sounds like if you're gonna you're running ads of folks who are talking about why they uh, have arrived at the values they have arrived at. So I'm not sure that there's, you know, that doesn't sound like they're focusing on the other side or the... the uh, For the most part, but, you know, you know, we did see an opportunity to sort of... Uh-huh interview Republicans that weren't going to vote for Donald Trump and with that, that, that you know yeah. comes a certain amount of negativity well that's fine with me and I do think we do need if not your particular super PAC we do need to be uh, a bit of a uh, vicious because uh, the Republic, Republicans have done that very well and very effectively and so we can't kind of just be nice you know just be nice I mean you know it's a, uh, but uh so I, it sounds great. I, I think I did overhear you mention this work before, and uh, um, thanks for reminding me about it. So let's do that, and um, we can wait on the next project till the winter. <laughs> That's no problem. Um, but yeah. you know, I, there's you know, I'm ready to go with Andrew again. I'm ready yeah. to go with Brett again. You know, I'm very close also with Lee Hirsch, and we have Good. a project uh-huh. that we're developing together that's a narrative based in South Africa where he and I used to live, and that's where we both met. The other um, 
directors that I'm very close to and want to make a film with is the Zellner brothers. Sure. Regular, regular song here. Yeah. And the common theme in all of those is those are all directors and people that I really like and that are really yeah. some of my best friends. And it, yeah. that relationship and that sense of trust among a director and producer to me is invaluable. And we can really just focus on what it takes to get the film in the best uh, and, and and make the best film possible that we can without any doubts or concerns about where people's motives are. And then we have a good time doing it together. And so mm-hmm. that's that's been a little bit of my sauce for the last you know, three, four years is really just having very close relationships with these writer directors. And, and it just, it's a great way to make films together. Yeah, no, I, I get it. It's fantastic. Oh, thanks so much. Uh, well, I want to get you back on with Lee. Yeah, well, that would be great. I never had, I never talked to him. I mean, I met him, but I've never had him. No, he's great. Yeah, he's really amazing. And you know, it's it's interesting to work with like Andrew and and Lee. And Andrew went to Harvard, and Lee didn't go to college, but they're both two of the smartest people I met. And you know, I almost say that about all my directors. And Mm -hmm. you know, as they say, you know, work with people that are smarter with you. Well, in my case, it's not that hard, but in Luckily, you know, with these guys, it's they all continue to impress me in new ways all the time. Well, thanks for coming out on this um, tropical day and uh, hanging out. Well, thank you. It was my pleasure to be here. I thought I was having a particularly good hair day, so I thought this was perfect (laughs) for a podcast. (laughs) Right. Thank you. Thank you. This is uh, Andrew Brzezowski's third appearance on FilmWax Radio. Go back and uh, listen to episodes 150, where he came on and talked about his making computer chess. And then on episode 296, where he uh, and Kevin Corrigan discuss results. Uh, And now he's on this episode right here. I should mention all three of these conversations are currently on the FilmWax Radio YouTube channel. As a playlist, if you're a fan of Andrew's, you can listen to about an hour and a half of his FilmWax radio appearances. But do go see uh, this movie, Support the Girls. I I mentioned Regina Hall is in it, but I should also mention that uh, James LeGrow is in it. Leah Delaria from Orange is the New Black is in it. and But Shana McHale is also in it. Uh, She's a treasure, also known as Jungle Pussy. We discuss her, as well as Haley Lou Richardson and a number of other new faces. Here is my conversation with uh, filmmaker Andrew Brzezowski, only on FilmWax Radio. Just get in and go. You're not leaving. You're married to this place. I do love that highway sound. Close my eyes and it's like I'm at the beach. Just shake that thing someplace else. I'm just here for the burger and the fight. You girls are not nearly hot enough to pull off this kind of bullshit. You should apologize. Room one, Lisa. No drama. You really want me to tell a bunch of 20-year-old girls no drama? You really think that helping someone means you get to tell them how to live their life? I started this day off crying, so if you ask me, laughing is progress. It makes such a difference.
watch you. Lisa! Feel the sisterhood growing stronger. Sisterhood! Woo! How you been? I've been fine. Good. Yeah. You know this guy, by the way, I was just listening to this on the way up because I think I may actually even get him. Mike Viola. You know him? His Who? music? What? Mike Viola? Uh, never or Viola. heard of him, I don't think. Oh. He, uh, I know, met him, originally I got um, acquainted with his music through, because I was working at the music industry at uh-huh. Columbia Records or at uh-huh. Sony, and he was one of these, you know, fledgling kind of unknown artists at the time. I think he had his first album there, mm-hmm. and I got hooked. It's kind of very poppy good music you know uh-huh. um and he kind of they were marketing him a little bit like a young elvis costello type of thing even though he doesn't sound anything like he's sure. more influenced by latter day mccartney and power you're, pop you're, you're right up my alley with all that you're gonna love this guy okay and i've been keeping in touch and and finally he has a new thing it's very different and i was just like i gotta talk to this guy you know you, uh-huh, you start uh-huh. thinking i could probably get him on sure I, so i got in touch with him and she's i think that he's coming into new york soon because he uh-huh. has this new album and he's going to come out. But I want to turn him on, turn you on to him because he's also, by Sounds the way, great. from Boston. Okay. I'm, I'm, and you're from Boston, you, you, right? Yeah. You, right. you had me like <laughs> had a six sentences ago. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't have to sell any harder. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Mike Viola. Okay. So, but I'll write it down for you. Cool. Please. But we're not here to talk about that. We can. <laughs> I mean, that would be a nice That's change true. of pace for me. I bet. Yeah. Have you been doing a lot, uh, a lot of, a lot of these? Uh, uh, yeah. Um, but more than you know, usual, do you no, think? No, the same. Okay. I mean, yeah, the yeah, usual the suspects. Usual. Yeah, because yeah. uh, you know it, it, the film is uh, well. I saw it at South by Southwest. Mm-hmm. Just you know, transparency, because uh, that's so controversial. <laughs> right. I saw your premiere, right? Yeah, yeah. But you're you know you've revealed your bias now, and uh, no, no, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> premiere South by Southwest premiere. Mm-hmm. And how did that go? Everybody was there, of course, up there. You had uh, every single cast member, it seemed like. Just Not quite, but almost, almost yeah. 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 And, and it was fun to see that, that yeah. Q&A. Yeah, no, it was great. It was a delight. It's, um, of course, I live in Austin. We shot in Austin, so right. yeah. there's that added level of um, thrill of getting to, that dimension to, getting it. to do it in our, in our hometown. Um, and it went well. I mean, we didn't know. This, this was a movie where... Mm-hmm. There, there's, I think there's a version of this with every thing I've done. Um, somehow it felt even more heightened with this one, especially given you know we've we've with with the extraordinary cultural upheaval of the last couple of years, um, we had no idea how this was going to be received. And and with even with or without the political element, I think any time I make a movie too, there's that feeling of like. Oh, this is the last one. You know, this is like this is this is going to be the disaster that that, that sinks me. Um, and so that has you working for retail. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I'd be the bar back uh, at Double Whammies. Um, but uh, I don't know. We survived again, and um, yeah, and people have been very very kind to us, and uh, it's been it's been a real pleasure to get this out there. A, a lot of it certainly um, is a is a testament to. To this cast um, and Regina Hall in particular, who uh, um, you know, we we experienced this on set, and now it's and boy, she's working hard. For, I mean, you were asking me about my interview regimen; it's 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 a lot, but it's comparatively light. Regina is out hustling night and day for this thing. She really um, believes in it. She, I, I guess so because uh, she doesn't have to do as much as she's doing, um, but she's out there. Every day, looking you know in different outfit every time, and um, and uh, <laughs> right. and I've never seen her complain about everything. I've never heard anybody in 
a year and a half say a negative word about Regina Hall, including on the internet, where all it is is negative words? Because um, it's a, it's a, the, usually just the I'll use this word just because for lack of another, but the haters that will actually take the time to criticize and write in mm-hmm. people who enjoy it are just going about their day. So, I mean, you know, yeah, like, sure. And they'll talk about it, but sure. They don't usually take the time to write in how, what a great time I had. They do occasionally, right. but not nearly as much as sure. Or as, as passionately. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, but, uh, you know, but yeah, I, I don't want to jinx her. Well, um, but, but, she... but Regina's been a real, I mean, so such right. a joy to work with. And yeah, it's got to be helped in, in a lot of different ways because there's different ways to look at the film beyond just the entertainment value, which it certainly has. And do you think her feeling is, well, she could have a number of different motivations for wanting to or being as maybe just really believing in you and the script and the story that, that mm. you guys told, but also maybe it's a very different project for her. Yeah. And, you know, something that she not, doesn't normally get handed in terms of a script. I, I'm, I'm sure that's true. Um, and then, you know, these things, I've, I've learned these things tend to be self-selecting. I think, you know, coming from where I come from, yeah. having made four movies with, uh, with non-professional actors in a very kind of non-professional or, or, you know, unorthodox casting style where you're just going out into the world and trying to, trying to find people... Um, and not going through layers of agents and these things. Um, coming into that professional world, um, I think at first I had, uh, you know, this fear of it. Like, well, what if, what if we get somebody and they don't get it? You know, what if they show up and they have Hollywood ideas of how things are supposed to be? And then what if, and right. what if they're a diva and all this stuff? The trailer, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and then uh, what I've learned, and I don't want to don't jinx myself now, but um, so far I feel like that's been... A pretty self-selecting process, you know that that the actors who don't want to work on a weird little indie know better than to read the script in the first place, you know. Sure. Um, and that the people who are who are attracted to the project, for the most part, um, kind of understand what they're getting into, and they understand they understand the limitations of their bud- of our budget, but also under you know are excited by the opportunities that come with that. But those people who are signed and usually have management and rep- representation have to have that conversation before they agree anyway because their agent isn't getting paid uh, the, the amount they would yeah, prefer. sure. And they, they, so sure. they're already going through a something of a, uh, of a, of a tussle with, uh, in some cases anyway. Sure, sure. Maybe some, that's changing you know, with the nature of the business and, that, sure. uh, and there's an understanding. I'm going to do some of these projects and then I'll do right. the bigger project, you know, one yeah. for us, one for them. Well, of. and it's, I mean, also, I mean, yeah, part of that's the budget stuff. Also, this is a, um, mm-hmm. it's a weird script. And so, you know, an, an right. actor who doesn't want to work on something that's a little out of the ordinary just won't, won't finish reading it. Yeah. Um, let's just tell a little bit of the synopsis because it's, you know, it's, uh, at this point we're keep referring to it and then the cast. And, um, but it's about a, um, a sports bar. Mm-hmm. There's a particular type of sports bar. Sure. Which, you know, only up here I think we only ever – I mean, I could be wrong. but I think, Yeah. Because I don't know. But I think we just had gotten Hooters, uh-huh. which was known originally for – They the invented it as far as I know. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that, that's probably true. Even in Austin, you'll find a lot more of these places mm-hmm. where the girls are much less – clothed and yeah. you know that's their that's their way to get the customers in you know so anyway this is about a place like that it's called as you already referred to it earlier as double whammies yeah 
and uh, it's like on the outskirts of Austin, I assume. Or oh well, you know, know, in our in our fictional world, we never quite quite <laughs> oh. name where they are. There's kind of you know, if you're looking very carefully at the production design, you can yeah. see that uh, we made some. Okay. There's some references to Houston. In our in our fictional world, we're on a highway somewhere outside of Houston, right. but we did oh. shoot in Austin. Oh, yeah. I, okay. I, uh, all right. Good to good to know. Yeah. There's that's, no. That's that's hardcore it doesn't knowledge. S- you know, we didn't we didn't we don't name more the than town. we need to know. Yeah. yeah and true. Okay. So I'm going to actually rephrase because I don't think that's necessarily germane. So. But it's in Texas, uh, in some right on the outskirts of a city in Texas, and um, uh, the bar. Uh, it's the the chorus of a day. Uh, Virginia Hall's Hall, character, yeah. of course, and, and who is what's her name? The, uh, the Lisa, 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 who's going through a, a, a real shitty day, you mm-hmm. know. And so we follow the trajectory of that day in her personal life, as well as at the job mm-hmm. where she's manages mm-hmm. the she's the manager of this bar, and uh, really like a den mother. Yeah, all the wait waitresses or, yeah, yeah, love. <laughs> it should be much easier, right? Sure. Uh, they they adore her. They really respect her, and are consider her, you know, a friend and a, and a, somebody they can lean on. Sure, and they do. Yeah. Well, and you know, and and, and, I, and I think some of them know how to take advantage of her too. I mean, there's that aspect too. Um, but she is somebody who brings mm-hmm. brings only. Uh, Den mother is is the right phrase for sure. She's somebody. She's an incurable optimist. So she's somebody who right. is there to take care of everybody. Uh, first and foremost, her girls, also the customers. You know, she she wants it to be a nurturing place, which yeah. is part of what it is. There's also this other part of what it is, um, and uh, right. she's I think not not naive about the nastiness of it, but but believes that the that the goodness of the place is the is the dominant force, yeah. and and she wants to project that herself. The, uh, and so, yeah, you mean the objectifying of, of the girls? Oh yes, yeah, sure. Which they part- which she purchased, but they also choose to. I mean, you yeah. give it. I mean, we're, the, the film, you know, it's not. It is political just by its nature, and of course now in the context of the, what you referred to earlier, the hashtag aspect of it sure. really is is now going to be a lightning rod of sorts, I suppose, mm-hmm. for conversation anyway, if not controversy, sure. I would sure. say. I'm just wondering: Are there people have, have there, has anybody kind of gotten their you know dander up about it because, or do you feel like they're just going to ignore the movie, somebody well, who might take it at face value? Well, I'm not even sure what face value is. I mean, it's a it's a I, I think well the poster. Mm. Oh, you mean that's as, as, as an ex- girls? Yeah, sure. You know, and you know their their midriffs right. are bared, and they're right. beautiful and very very you know I mean, sure. beautiful girls and. Uh, so I can imagine some people are going to just say, "What is that about?" But then, if you look at so many other posters, it's actually rather tame, and sure. it shows a camaraderie, if anything else. You sure, know? yeah, I, you know, I think again, I can't look anything you make, you you release it into the world, and um, this is the, it's the it's the point. I mean, it's a, the whole the whole the whole the whole idea mm-hmm. is to give it to people and to give it to people with with different perspectives, and so the fact good, that good um, point, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm certainly happy to know that a lot of people are receiving it somewhat in some version of the spirit I, that I thought we intended but um, but for people to also you know you can you can you can criticize it from any direction you want and that's going to happen too and that's uh, that's part of the game I think it, some of I, I and I knew and this is again also to some degree true of of everything I've I've ever done it's not as a writer I don't uh, I don't really do heroes and villains. I don't. Um, I'm really? not. I'm not. I'm not particularly interested in or good at you know um, either 
tearing characters down or putting them on pedestals. Even this right. movie, even Lisa in this movie, who is a character who I um, who I love very much and who I think audiences are connecting with and want to root for, um, she's she is a flawed character and she makes some uh, you know ad- questionable judgments. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so you know, I think, and, and there are going to be some people who who maybe want this to be more of an advocacy movie than it is. It's not really. It's not a, it's not a message movie. It's not it's not um we're not tearing down the patriarchy. You know, I mean you 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 few not to say that the patriarchy shouldn't be torn down and not to say that you mm-hmm. can't get some of that juice out of the this movie. Um I'm I'm happy for people to I'm happy for people to take some some inspiration from it uh political inspiration for it, but but it's not but it's but ultimately it's it's just about people. It's just, and and that that's the thing that I hope um, is always relevant one way or another. You know, I mean, I started writing this in a, in a different world. I started writing this at the end of 2015. and Right, very different world. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and the night of the election, um, and in fact, when I started writing it, I thought, um, I was I was concerned that we, it would just seem wildly irrelevant, you know, that, that the movie would come out and people would go, I don't, these are these weird little places on the highway and who cares? Um, and then, and then it was a thought that crossed my mind the night of the election. Uh, I didn't, I did not sleep that night. I had many thoughts, um, many of them, uh, dark and painful thoughts, but, uh, but one thing that kind of flitted by was, uh, well, I think my script is relevant now for better and or worse. I agree. Um, right. but again, uh, it's, it's something that, that you, you, you just got to cross your fingers and say, I, I hope, I hope this is going to work in any context because it yeah. is about the people right and it's a solid enough and that it works is a is a is a, is a well-made film mm-hmm. and and you know it's a realized piece of art mm-hmm. a storytelling sure and if it is then the conversations that come out of it are are kind of just from it not a, necessarily taking it apart in a, you know and trying to find the flaws in it so much you sure. know but that it's a really a launching place for for conversations you know the girls are are uh all great, and they all are part of my 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 use of the word flesh. But they are fleshed out, really. <laughs> they're each, you know, uh-huh. what I mean? sure. they all have to. They're oh, all, yeah. like any any film that Andrew Bajowski would make, whether it's uh, you know, Mutual Attraction or Computer Chess or, in this case, uh, Support the Girls. So, you talked about the election and realizing along the way of getting it out. You know, you had all these different uh, feelings and, and thoughts. I'm just curious, and it's probably the most over-asked question, or the mm-hmm. most asked question, I should mm-hmm. say, is uh, how did this, because in this case, I really am kind of curious, how did this story come about for you? Were you, like, pe- kept passing these places, a pl- pl- place on your commute, right. and that you were just, what is it about it? It's not purely just the, what's the word, prurient nature sure. of it, but there's more sure. to it, and why do people choose to work there? You know, there's got to be just regular folks that are, are doing that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much it. You know, I think <laughs> sorry I, to put words in your mouth. No, right? I mean that's that, that's about it. I I went into one of them about a decade or so ago, and I don't I don't know what I was expecting, but whatever it was was um, so so it was surprising to me, and it was strange, and it was compelling, and I couldn't quite figure it out. But there were all these funny, bizarre contradictions baked into it, you know, and and. Um, I mean that you know the the formula I tend to 
use, I think it's like 10% strip club and 90% TGI Fridays, Applebee's, Chili's, right. you know, it's just yeah. a, it's a, it's a comfort place. And that there, so there is that, um, of course that, that, uh, kernel of brewery and sin it, but it's wrapped in so much comfort, so much selling a sense of belonging. I think it's a very, very different experience. Um, almost 180 degrees from what, what they're selling you at a strip club. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and you know, it certainly struck me as uniquely American and something that I don't think any other culture uh, on the planet in history would have ever put up a demand for. You're, yeah, you're not going to see these places in, in, in Iran or something no, like that. No, not so yeah. much. Or, yeah. you know, even in Europe. I mean, I think no, they, no. I think little, uh, we had our European premiere in uh, the Czech Republic. And somebody, I was told when I was there, they're like, you know, there is a Hooters in Prague, but it's, uh, <laughs> but apparently it's more of a tourist place and it's just, uh, you right. know. Um, it's more of a reference than it is anything else. Yeah, but I think you know. But yeah, ours is the culture that uh, that just you know in, intuitively gets it. And uh, and there's a bunch of them. Hooters invented this, but you know maybe 15 or 20 years ago there was yeah. this explosion of kind of next generation models of this. And there's a you know half dozen different chains. They're all trying to adapt now. They're all yeah, I bet yeah yeah. But uh, you're again, you're not the spokesperson for this. No. Right, but you kind of become it you, a little bit uh, on a small way, because yeah, you're talking to people and they're asking you about, well, how does it, yeah. you know, and they're right the people, and so all of a sudden you're you're like an ambassador for. I did my I did my research. You know, I, girls, I know I know about as much about it yeah. as I do about computer chess, which is to say I'm not an oh. expert, but uh, you know more than you it, did, but I know a few things. Yeah, yeah. Did uh, the casting and the preparation. Did you? What did you do with the uh, the female cast? Uh, did they? Because they all seem pretty natural at uh, waiting and doing that. Uh, everything involved. Well, they're all they're all great actors, and they're all. Oh, there's acting. Yeah, that's what it, that's what it was. That's oh, what forgot. it was. They acted. Um, <laughs> they're all great actors, and they're all uh, with you know, and coming from different yeah. backgrounds too. You know, Shana McHale, who plays. Danielle, um, and to AKA, AKA jungle yeah. pussy, right. which I'm getting better at saying. Yeah. It's coming more. Na- yeah. I, you know, yeah. I'm doing less stammering when I say it now. Uh, <laughs> but I can usually say it once per She's interview. a, that's a musical artist, but yes. so people know jungle pussy is a, uh, yeah. like an art, I'd say, uh, a, a, almost experimental, but not maybe experimental, but definitely alternative independent yeah. indie artist. Type. Well, independence is a great word for it. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, yeah. R&B hip hop. Um, but, uh, mm-hmm. But she's great and just a fascinating persona, you know. Yeah. Beyond, and that's what first attracted me to to her work because she she had not acted before. Um, but I, you know, when you make a movie like this, you um, and you are dealing with the kind of the the professional actors and all the layers around them and the agencies and stuff. Um, there's this very unromantic aspect of it, which is that you just get sent lists, you know. And it's like, well, here's here's ten names. What do you think of these people? Um, and uh, you know, and that's how that's how a lot of your casting ends up happening. But I I always feel like it's my job to just my due diligence. Like let's okay, let's just take a minute and think about who's not on this list. Where else can we look? Oh wow! Um, and uh, so, which is kind of like I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, but it kind of goes back to your casting of non-professionals. You just, yeah, like oh, this this person's just got my attention in yeah. this particular way. Yeah, yeah, and that's what happened with Shane. I mean, and it was as you know. Weird as weird as it is, that was that was you know Google. I think I was just like, well, I like really well because I've had good luck with musicians, or I or mm-hmm. I also feel like just looking at cinema history, a lot of musicians are good actors. Yeah, um, 
So I think I was just Googling, you know, well, who are young, who are young female artists out there in the music world who I'm too old and out of it to know anything about. That's what um, you Googled? Yeah, that was the exact search term. And, uh, and she came up and I watched some of her videos, but then I also, you know, when you Google her, what also comes up is uh, there are lectures of her, or videos of her lecturing on nutrition at Columbia and Yale. It's like, this woman's got some, some layers. And she's, yeah. uh, and she's just very compelling. So we got in touch with her management and it was a total shot in the dark. It was, you know, is Shana ever be interested in acting? And uh, she was, and I got her to come out and do a screen test. You know, I, was, I came to New York and just had her read a scene with an actor friend, and um, she was great. So we went from there. Yeah, she yeah, she's fantastic, and mm-hmm. she really like at first you're like, who is this person? Like, you know, is she she has this her own particular cadence, mm-hmm, of, and mm-hmm. just in general the way she talks and moves and looks, and yet, you know. She's weirdly magnetic. I can't, you Very, know, that, that, yeah, it's hard to, the, well, the old cliche of the camera loves her, that was something I don't, I never knew what that meant <laughs> until we worked, because my editor and I would, would sit, and anytime we had a close up of Shana, even if she wasn't doing anything, it's, she's just kind of mesmerizing on screen. Yeah. Well, some of that, I mean, she does have the experience of the videos she's made, which yeah, are really sure. compelling. I mean, they're, they're, they're visually stunning mm-hmm. videos she's done. I, I watched a couple. Of, I was like, who is this? And then I started reading about her. And I'm like, that's, you know, how unusual, how mm-hmm. nice. Well, again, the movie is called Support the Girls. It's uh, being distributed by Magnolia, who I think you've you've collaborated with in the past. Have you? Yeah, they, they put out results. and the Results. Uh, did a fine job. Yeah. And um, it's opening, as we sit here and speak, you're only hours away from your New York premiere at the IFC Center. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to talk to Houston too. Oh, great! Because yeah, he's a buddy. Uh-huh. How how is uh, how is that? You can trash him if you wish. <laughs> he won't hear this. <laughs> okay. No, Houston King, he's like a just a, one of the great producers making all sorts of wonderful films. Yeah, you know? yeah. How, um, how did you get to know him? He uh, Houston and I started working together in 2004 or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we we began our relationship as uh, he was my sales rep uh for my oh all right my first movie or my first two movies um so that that and that was how he started in oh. the business was just selling movies to distributors right um and that was at a time you know i think my first film funny haha had played la film festival and gotten a gotten a nice review in variety and so when that happens you know la people sort of suddenly know that you exist and you start to get emails from la people and i, I remember feeling kind of grumpy and resentful at that time because people go hey send me the movie and this was yeah. you know this was before you just send somebody a link you know i had to go to the post office and I'd, i would stuff a vhs tape into it and i would pay the three dollars to mail it and i was like you're not even gonna watch this thing you know so i i sent a lot of tapes to a lot of people and mm-hmm. um and indeed most of them didn't watch it or, or they watched five minutes and they said what the hell is this right um but uh but houston was somebody who followed up and wanted to work with me and at that point the, that movie had been around for a year uh and so you know i kind of I, I i admired or i i appreciated that he wanted to take this on you know I, I, whereas i think most sales reps um rightfully so would have said like everybody's seen this already and there's no one to sell it to but you know he um so i thought yeah you want you want 10 percent of nothing come and get it and uh <laughs> right. um but we started working together on that and then by a kind of funny series of circumstances um we had uh, a private investor came along and, and just, you know, classic angel investor, not somebody who was looking to 
make money particularly, but who wanted the film to get out. Oh, wow. And said, mm-hmm. it, you know, if I put money into this, can, can you guys self-distribute? So Houston and I became a distributor together. Um, and, you know, over the course of that, he's just certainly right. gotten to be one of my... One of my dearest Inter- friends, yeah. and and somebody who I work with on everything now, and uh, mm. you know he's he's. Uh, I've been so lucky uh, in everything I've done, you know, probably going back to birth, um, and and having the parents I had, you know. But I've I've been profoundly lucky at every step of this to uh, to just have people come out of the woodwork who who are motivated by something other than certainly by something other than getting rich because we haven't been doing that but uh but to to have a lot of collaborators um who bring a beautiful spirit to this thing and certainly have propped me up for a long time and uh yeah houston is houston is at the top of that list that's a nice thing to say I always hear that people say like yourself lucky you know and I'm I'm certain some of this is is serendipity you're born in, with these particular parents sure. who support you in different ways but you know then you are making films that are connecting with people and they're well told they're really compelling movies so is that luck or is that talent you know I don't know but it, I'm just just being luck difficult. is the answer but yeah. <laughs> okay lastly mm-hmm. do you uh, off topic a little bit but do you um, do you, you have a body of work? I'd say uh, was this a seventh feature, Six, sixth six, feature, yeah. right? Do you do you watch ever watch your films? And do you when you do, is it is it a pleasant experience? Uh, it's not. You know, it it tends to come up um, for one reason. Like we mutual appreciation is we're now getting a a nice new scan done of it, so it's going oh, very to good. yeah, it will be released on. Um, you know HD streaming, which it's never done, and it'll be out on Blu-ray, which it's never done. So, so you know, f- usually there's some technical reason why I have to go back to something. And tomorrow, Saturday, we uh, go in the opposite direction. We're actually premiering a 35 millimeter print of Computer Chess, which was a movie that was never meant to be seen on film, but we're doing it anyway. So that'll it's be so at IFC funny. Center in the How? afternoon. So for yeah, for yeah. things like that, yeah, and that's a long story there. If you want to talk about that, but for things like that, I end up. Um, having to revisit mm-hmm. and um, you know it's very strange because all of these movies are so personal to me one way or another and certainly something like Mutual Appreciation which I'm also acting in um, so to go back the people in that movie get younger and younger <laughs> and uh, and you know my life gets further and further away from it I, I'm I'm very a lot of really talented people that I know I think can't stand to go back to to old work and they're they're mortified and you know this some of that but i think maybe because of what a lot of those things are to me a, a lot of that for me is wrapped up in that experience of collaborating with mm-hmm. those people so so i still love them for for that reason you know i go back and and no matter how differently i kind of see the project or um whatever i might question now I also look at it and I look at mutual appreciation. And I go, oh my God, Justin Rice, Rachel Cliff, mm-hmm. Singman Lee, you know, all these people are so fucking good in this movie. Um, and it's that, that has not gotten any less thrilling to me to see. Yeah. Uh, well, I look forward to getting uh, this a Blu-ray of it uh, just to, you know, I think I may even have a copy of Mutual. Anyway, wow, uh, that'll whatever. be obsolete yeah. once the Blu-ray comes out. It's going to be awesome. Exactly. There you go. Well, thank you. 
Thank you. This has been great. And uh, I'm going to urge everybody to go see Support the Girls ASAP, uh, especially if you're listening to this on the weekend because that's key, right? And it's uh, yeah, opening in, uh, also in Los Angeles. And how? Wh- what's the uh, – did it play in Nashville? Obviously, Austin, excuse me. Did yeah, it play no, in Austin already? Uh, well, no, it's opening everywhere this weekend. So, okay. um Wide. IFC Center mm-hmm. uh, and Alamo Downtown Brooklyn in New York. I'm going to oh, be at IFC good. Center Friday and Saturday evenings. If you're in L.A., Regina will be at the New Art on Saturday n- evening. Um, and do not miss a chance to see Regina Hall in where, person. Where, where? At the New Art Oh, at LA. the New Art in L.A., very good. And in yeah. Austin, my hometown, um, it's going to be at the AFS Cinema and at the Alamo South Lamar. And I will be doing Q&As at both those places on Sunday evening. Oh, so you're going to um, be running around a little bit. I'm running around. But, but I'll uh, see you tonight, though, at the IFC Center. Sounds good. Right? Yeah. Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. weeks after Labor Day, we have uh, the director of Hal, a new documentary about the uh, beloved 70s iconic filmmaker Hal Ashby. Uh, her name is Amy Scott. This is her first appearance on the podcast, and it was a thrill to bring her to talk to her about this great documentary, which I saw last spring. And also coming up is a returning Amos Poe. You know, we talk about Andrew Pajoski being a, a pioneer of this, of the low-budge mumblecore film scene. Well, Amos Poe, 30 years earlier, was coming from the New York no-wave underground filmmaking scene at downtown New York. He was the guy who really started making movies with no money with his friends like, oh, I don't know, John Lurie, Steve Buscemi, Debbie Harry, Cookie Mueller, so many others. And uh, he's back on the show. This is will be Amos's second appearance on Film Wax Radio, so stick around for that uh, in the coming couple of weeks, as well as um, we have uh, segments with uh, Giancarlo Esposito, who you can currently see in the new season of uh, Better Call Saul, uh, Sasha Watersfryer, who's directed a documentary about the photographer Gary Wanagrand, which we recorded last spring at South by Southwest. Sasha will be on the show. Jim Cummings, the director of a new indie feature called Thunder Road, and many, many more, all coming up uh, here on this podcast. Thank you for listening. This is uh, Adam Shartoff, your host of Film Wax Radio. Uh, please do take care of yourself and the ones you love. Broken springs, broken springs, broken idols, broken heads.